In my early days, I faced a pivotal moment in my career. Instead of following the herd into traditional finance, I charted my own course. Despite skepticism, I founded my investment firm driven by a belief in economic truth and fiscal responsibility. Through perseverance, I established myself as a leading voice in finance, proving that sometimes blazing your own path is the best way to succeed. To get what you want, sometimes you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. That's what Harry's did. Seeing people tricked by expensive razors, Harry's took a stand. Instead of pricey options, they offer high-quality razors at a fraction of the cost. That's why when it comes to grooming my face, I use Harry's. Harry's understands the value of quality without breaking the bank. Their razors provide a smooth shave every time, and their shaving gel leaves my skin feeling refreshed and moisturized. So don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com gold. That's harrys.com gold for a $3 trial set. We all make mistakes, decisions that we regret, things we'd like to do over, like not buying Bitcoin when you first heard about it at $1. We all carry around different stresses, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. At times, therapy has helped me and my loved ones in many ways. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major traumas. With the right guide, you can discover effective strategies to minimize distractions and truly connect with your needs, setting the stage for a more balanced life. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a life therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit betterhelp.com slash gold today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash gold. The Peter Schiff Show. Well, I wasn't actually expecting to do another podcast today, but I really had to reply to the latest from Paul Krugman, who blogs today in his, uh, you know, the opinion pages of the New York Times. His column is titled The Conscience of a Liberal. And today's blog is titled The Wisdom of Peter Schiff. And then he follows up, no, seriously. Of course, uh, it's some form of a backhanded compliment. That's probably the only kind Krugman is capable of delivering, certainly to an Austrian. So, You know, the idea is I really don't have any wisdom, but maybe in this circumstance, this one circumstance, I kind of do, right? As if Paul Crudman is so wise himself. He's so full of wisdom. I mean, he's got a Nobel Prize and a column in the New York Times, so he must be wise. Uh, But in any event, he's actually referencing the article, one of the two articles that I mentioned in my video blog from yesterday, where I talked about two articles that had been written about me, one by a reporter who interviewed me, and then another one in the New Republic by a guy named Danny Vinnick, who I didn't actually speak with. And Danny Vinnick was talking about inflation, and he referenced an article that I wrote myself, which appeared in the most recent reason to try to explain why we haven't seen more inflation in the conventional sense, meaning rising prices, why we haven't seen that in response to in response to all the money printing, all the quantitative easing. And 
I spoke in my other podcast, and if you haven't listened to that one, go back and listen to it. It has to do with uh, the media uh, spin on, uh, on uh, you know, the media putting their own bias, deliberately mis- misrepresenting what I say to advance their own agendas. But so listen to that one. But the, the column from the New Republic, that's the one that Paul Krugman read. And so this article has to do with inflation. And he also is quoting from that article. And it has to do with inflation. So first, I'll, I'll, I'll reference what he, what, he, uh, you know, what he reproduced in his column that I wrote. Right? And that is this, this uh, paragraph here, a couple sentences. Mainstream economists, then in, quote, in parentheses, who hold sway in government, the corporate world, and academia, argued that as long as labor markets remain slack, inflation would not catch fire. My fellow Austrian economists and I loudly voiced the minority viewpoint that money printing is always inflationary. In fact, that is the very definition of inflation. Then he quotes another paragraph. The truth is that high levels of unemployment are historically correlated with higher inflation and low levels of unemployment with lower inflation. That is because an economy that more fully utilizes labor resources is more productive. More production brings down prices. In contrast, an economy does not fully employ its citizens is less productive, and its government is more prone to pursue misguided inflationary policies to stimulate the economy. So that's what he, he quotes. And he says, okay, this is Krugman again. Okay, leave aside the, 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 the business about defining money printing as inflation. Well, I'm not defining money printing as inflation. That's what money printing used to be defined as, or rather, that's what inflation used to be defined as until Keynesians like Krugman redefined it, right? So I'm not just making this up, right? So, But the modern definition is rising prices. The classic traditional definition of inflation that Krugman ignores is expansion of money supply, because that is, in fact, what is being inflated, not prices. Um, but here is what Krugman writes. But what Schiff says very clearly is that according to his worldview, rolling the printing pressure should cause inflation by the normal definition or the modern definition, right? Even in a depressed economy. And that high unemployment should in fact make, higher inf- make inflation higher, not lower, right? So he's basically saying, look, I am stating the two opposing camps. And he says, or he writes rather, well, which camp is right? The camp that says that if you print money in a weak economy, it leads to inflation, or the camp that says if you print money in a weak economy with excess capacity and unemployment, you don't get inflation. Instead, you just get economic growth because the printing press supplies the missing demand, right? And in fact, he, he tries to reference the Austrian school, right? Here's because here, when he puts it in his words, he says, He has that exactly right. The central dispute is between those who see depressions as a result of inadequate demand, implying that inflation will fall and printing money does nothing unless it boosts employment, right? That's the Keynesian view. And those that see depressions as the result of maladaptation of resources or something. Anyway, something on the supply side. So he's trying to reference the concept of malinvestments that the Austrians talk about, because during the inflationary booms, when the government is keeping interest rates too low and artificially stimulating the economy and you get these bubbles, you have malinvestments. You have capital that is invested uh, in the wrong ways because it's responding to the false signals created by the newly printed money. 
and that during the recession, that's when the malinvestments are liquidated and resources are put back to where they would have been had the government not screwed it all up by printing money. But by using this made-up word of maladaptations or something, it shows that Krugman really hasn't studied the Austrian school at all. He isn't familiar with it. He just criticizes it without really understanding it, which probably ex explains you know, how quickly he dismisses the advocates of the Austrian school, because even though he's an economist with a Nobel Prize, he really hasn't studied anything about the Austrian school. He's, just have, he's heard some statements, and he vaguely remembers what they were, and so he, he throws together this world mad maladaptation or something on the supply side when Austrians aren't supply-siders. That's an entirely different school of thought. A supply-sider is not an Austrian. But uh, as far as Krugman is concerned, if you're not a Keynesian, Keynesianist, it doesn't matter what you are, right? He's going to lump everybody in together because, he, you know, it's, it's, it's really Krugman that, that doesn't have a lot of wisdom. But anyway, so he postulates, though, that, well, we have these two opposing camps. How can we test? How can we find out which camp is right? And he says we don't have to because we've just conducted the biggest experiment in money printing ever, right? We've printed all this money, we've had all this QE, and we've had no inflation. And so, therefore, this gigantic monetary experiment has proved that Schiff and other Austrians are wrong and that me, the, 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 you know, the flag bearer of the Keynesian school, you know, we're right. And therefore, you know, I deserve my Nobel Prize, right, because I'm that smart, right? Well, this all assumes that the experiment is over when it's far from over. You see, so far, we've had the easy part. We've printed all this money. The hard part is stopping the presses. And the reason that we haven't seen the massive price inflation, consumer price inflation, is because everybody believes the printing presses can be stopped. That's why people are willing to buy bonds at such low rates, because they're confident that the Fed is going to rein in the inflation. They're all going to unwind their balance sheets. You see, a lot of this inflation, because of the confidence in central bankers, has shown up in financial assets, the stock market, the bond market, the real estate market. <clears throat> And velocity of money has clearly come down as people have been confident to hold on to cash because they don't believe that inflation is coming, right? Because they believe the Paul Krugmans of the world and not the Peter Schiff's of the world. So they're holding on to their dollars or their euros or their yen, whatever they got, or they're investing them in financial assets. But they're not rushing to buy real stuff because they're confident that there won't be runaway inflation. They're confident that the central banks will be able to put the genie back in the bottle before she does any damage, that they could raise interest rates, you know, shrink their balance sheets, and everything's going to be fine. Well, that can't happen. That's all a pipe dream. That's a fantasy. Krugman just doesn't understand that yet. And as more people begin to figure out that it's QE infinity, right, that the Fed is in this monetary roach motel, that there is no easy way out, that we are going to have to print money forever, that's when the game changes. That's when people who have been hoarding financial assets like bonds are going to try to cash them in to buy real things before the prices go higher. And that's when you can get this huge pickup in the velocity of money and you're going to see the kind of runaway inflation that Paul Krugman thinks is impossible. You see, he's doing a victory lap 
prematurely. No, it's kind of like George Bush's mission accomplished, right? Or even maybe more recently, Barack Obama claiming success in, in Iraq, Right. And of course, we now know that it was anything but a success when when we pulled out. And this is even more of a premature claim of victory by the by Paul Krugman, claiming that what we have just done proves that you can print all this money and not have consumer prices running up. I think that there's a big lag uh, and it's probably longer than normal. But because the lag is bigger than normal. I think the inflation or the increase in consumer prices will be much bigger than normal. But again, remember, Krugman doesn't see beyond the obvious, right? Remember when Paul Krugman, in the aftermath of the bursting of the stock market bubble, he was advocating that the Federal Reserve do what it could to inflate a housing bubble because Krugman's cure for the stock market bubble was a housing bubble. He didn't just he didn't forecast the housing bubble. He advocated for one. He wanted one. He thought it was good monetary policy. He thought that that's what we needed was another bubble. We needed the wealth effect. And if we weren't getting it from the stock market, we needed to get it from the real estate market. So Crudman thought it was a good idea to have a housing bubble. He didn't understand the ramifications. He didn't understand the concept of malinvestments. That's why he doesn't know the word. He didn't understand how painful the unwind would be when the economy had to restore balance in the aftermath of a bubble that he deliberately wanted and encouraged the Federal Reserve to inflate. Right? So he didn't see the consequences of the bubble bursting when he advocated to inflate it. Well, the same thing is going on now. He advocated for massive inflation, QE, stimulus, to get us out of the disastrous consequences of the bursting of the very bubble that he advocated be inflated to stimulate the economy after the previous bubble burst. And now he's claiming victory. Well, you know, you might as well have claimed victory in 2006 and 2007 by saying, hey, all you people that thought a housing bubble was was dangerous. Well, you're all wrong because, look, the economy proves that you can inflate a housing bubble and there's no negative consequences. Yeah, at that moment, to people like Krugman, it looked like there were no negative consequences. But for people who had a better understanding of the economy and can look beneath the superficial nature of the expansion, right? look beneath the surface, they saw the disaster that was around the corner. Krugman didn't see it. Krugman thought everything was great in 2006, 2007. He wants to talk about how I know have no wisdom well, why was I able to see that crisis coming and he wasn't? Well, it's the same reason I understand that massive inflation is coming and he doesn't, right? And again, massive inflation meaning a big increase in consumer prices. And of course, consumer prices are going up, right? I just think the government is not reporting them the way they used to. They have changed the methodology, and I believe that's a fact. But that's not the only reason. Sure, maybe the government is underreporting inflation by a few percentage points per year. And that's why it looks like the economy is expanding when it's actually contracting. But the reason we haven't had much higher rates of inflation, 20%, 30%, 40%, is because of all the false confidence that people have in the Fed's ability to stop the presses, which they can't. It's only because people think the presses are going to stop that we don't have runaway inflation. Krugman thinks you can just run the presses indefinitely and it's not going to have any effect. Now, maybe he'll think, well, when the economy gets better, right, when the emergency is over, well, then we can take away all the cheap money. But you can't. When you create a recovery, a phony recovery based on inflation, 
when you take away the inflation, you take away the recovery, which means the inflation is coming back. Because if the government <clears throat> prints a bunch of money to create a phony recovery and they stop printing money and the phony recovery implodes because all you did is exacerbate the problems that made the recession necessary, that now you have even more malinvestments than you had before, or according to uh, you know, Krugman, um, maladaptations, his brand new word. So he's accusing me of trying to make up you know, a definition of inflation. Well, he's making up this maladaptation, whatever that is. <clears throat> but the minute you take away that monetary stimulus, you're back in worse shape, which means you, you're, you know, you're right back to the QE, which is, you know, again, what is Krugman going to say when all this falls apart? He's just going to say we didn't print enough money. But I don't know what Krugman is going to say when there is a loss of confidence, because when we have to go back to the QE well again, right, when we have to do QE4, when we have to take away uh, the rate hikes, and when the dollar, the dollar's current rise reverses, right, and then we have a big surge again in commodity prices and this decline in oil reverses, and then we're going to see it. I think when people begin to realize that, they don't have control of this. They don't have an exit strategy. They are going to print forever. Then all that confidence in the ability of central bankers, they play a lot of lip service. They say, well, if inflation ever really got you know, well above 2%, well, we have all the tools to fight it. Well, maybe they do, but they can't use them. It's impossible, uh, and it's all a bluff. And when people figure that out, uh, then uh, we're going to see the big increase in prices. And, and, and I don't know what Paul Krugman is going to say then. I know what I'm going to say. And he's going to have egg all over his face. Um, but, you know, who knows? But again, it is way, way too early for Paul Krugman to be doing the vi victory dance. Right. And don't don't forget or don't worry. I am going to. I love all these articles because I'm going to be able to bring them up. I'm going to, you know, he's going to have to eat this article when I have to bring it back up and throw it in his face when the ultimate inflationary chickens that Paul Krugman and his buddies, right, that when, that when they all come back home to roost, he doesn't know it yet, but they're going to come home in a big, big way. This game is hardly over. It's just getting started. And I'm not even claiming victory. I'm going to wait until the game is over. Krugman thinks the game is over, but it's just begun. Today's financial advisors behave like pro wrestling TV commentators. They scream that the recovery is strong, debt is manageable, inflation is low, and that the Federal Reserve has everything under control. They may be oblivious, but the danger is real. Looking beyond the media hype can open a world of broader investing ideas. Euro-Pacific Capital is a registered investment advisor that offers stock-focused wealth management services that closely follow the strategy of our founder and CEO, Peter Schiff. We concentrate on those countries that are more closely in tune with Peter's vision of how capitalism is supposed to work. And these investments are not hard to find, provided you know where to look. Isn't it time you change the channel and let Euro-Pacific put a little reality back into your portfolio? If you live in the United States and have $25,000 or more to invest, call 800-727-7922. That's 800-727-7922. Non-U.S. residents access similar strategies through Euro-Pacific Bank at europacbank.com. Euro-Pacific Capital and Euro-Pacific Bank are affiliated companies.